You don't need a study to tell you that aging and fatigue go hand in hand. Nevertheless, my friends at Nutritional Therapeutics, makers of NT Factor, point to 16 studies, all peer-reviewed and published in medical journals, showing that NT Factor can reduce fatigue, while at the same time, age-related changes in the cells are reversed. For 30 years, the makers of NT Factor have worked to improve our health spans by focusing on the mitochondria, the energy powerhouses of our cells. Their science shows that NT Factor, which I don't go a day without and recommend to my patients, improves our energy and prevents the deterioration that accompanies aging. It promises that our day-to-day lives will be improved, and they keep proving it in studies that include placebo-controlled trials, both in the academic institutions and in medical practices like mine. You can find NT Factor at your favorite health food store or online retailer, or to order direct, go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Don't let tiredness and fatigue rob your senior years. Invest regularly in the anti-aging benefit of NT Factor at ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Always exciting to uh, pay a visit to one of my favorite colleagues, uh, Dr. David Perlmutter. He's a board-certified neurologist and author of Grain Brain and Brainwash. He has a new book entitled Drop Acid, uh, in which he focuses on uric acid as a culprit in all kinds of health problems. So what you said in, in part one is quite interesting because sometimes we think of uric acid as just a, an accompaniment of obesity or hypertension, uh, or metabolic syndrome. It just happens to be high. But what you're saying is that there are now scientific papers that say that it is a, in fact, in fact, a, a toxic substance that can promote these problems, right? That's right. And again, you know, in the context of our ancestors, those things that we now think are toxic or, or detrimental to health were uh, powerful survival tools. And, you know, it's clear that uh, we can tease this apart. We can look at reams of research, which are in, uh, studies in which they increase uric acid in uh, participants by giving them what? Fructose. And then notice that what uh, when they inhibit the uric acid with a medication, in this case allopurinol, they see improvements in obesity, improvements mm-hmm. in uh, blood pressure. And in fact, in Japan, they are treating uh, patients with high blood pressure who have elevated uric acid using drugs. Wow. So, um, you know, much of the literature I've quoted you so far has been the Japanese literature. They're way ahead of us. As a matter of fact, one of the most threatening sources of alcohol to raise uric acid is beer. Yeah. Beer, because it is high in purines, because it's made from brewer's yeast, mm-hmm. uh, as well as alcohol. So we understand because of the uric acid connection what the beer belly is all about. And getting back to Japan, they've now started marketing uh, purine-free beers <laughs> so that you can wow. drink beer, not get the purine load, still get a little alcohol if that's what you're looking for. And th- they've created these beers for exactly this reason, to help people reduce their formation of uh, uric acid. And, you know, there are a lot of things uh, beyond the foods, the, the fructose, the purines, the alcohol that we should talk about. For example, medications are strongly associated with increasing uric acid. This is what's called iatrogenic effects uh, of medicine, <laughs> That's right. right? You know, med- like iatrogenic means I am doing it to right. you as a yeah. doctor patient, yeah. right? Um, that said, interestingly, some of the drugs 
that are, are used to treat high blood pressure, and high blood pressure can come from having a high uric acid. Some of the drugs that are used to treat high blood pressure actually raise the uric acid uh, even further. Drugs like diuretics, water pills, beta blockers, so commonly used. Uh, another class are the pro- what are called proton pump inhibitors, uh, acid-blocking drugs that are over-the-counter. People are taking them. 15 million Americans are taking them. Interesting study that you and I may have talked about before appeared in the journal Stroke that showed that use of these so-called PPIs is associated with a significant increased risk of Alzheimer's and stroke. Um, other common drugs, aspirin, Viagra, testosterone, uh, even not really a drug, but the sweetener xylitol is known to significantly bump up uric mm. acid. So these are the kind of things that we, we put in the book uh, people need to be aware of. But I think really job one is, hey, what is my uric acid? And the really cool part of that question is that you don't even need your doctor anymore. You can go online or possibly even to the drugstore, and buy a home uric acid monitor just like you measured your blood sugar with a simple finger stick. In this case, you don't have to do it every day, but every two weeks, every four weeks, get a sense as to what your uric acid level is. You can measure it at home. Oh, okay. Uh, There's a a self-test? Right. A uric acid monitor. Now, you know, a lot of people check their blood sugars frequently. Uric acid is something you don't really need to stay that involved with. But again, every couple of weeks, make some lifestyle changes, see how it affects your uric acid level. And by all means, get that level to a level of 5.5 or lower. Average level in America right now is six. So we have work to do. But Look at look at what we are doing in America. We have uh, 88 million pre-diabetics. That's 33% of adults. We have 34 million diabetics. That's 10.5% of adults. That means about 45% of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. We see um, that a third of American adults, one in three, is not just overweight but obese. And in the distant future, in the year 2030, that number is going to be 50%. In so far in the future, 2030, you got to put, you know, that's just around the corner. Yeah, uh, it is. It 10% is. You, of You should think like 2030, forget about it. I don't have to worry about that. You yeah, know. I'm not. Uh, some, yeah, Social Security is going to run yeah, out of money in 2030, but right. no, it's right around the corner. Yeah, that's crazy. 10% of children from age 12 to 18 are hypertensive in America. That's that's astounding. And to be sure, this is not a sudden genetic change. It is an effect. Uh, these are effects of what has happened when you change the environment, the food, the activity, uh, the stress, you know, the lack of nature, the disruptions of sleep, for example. Well, it sounds like uh, from what you described in part one, that uh, in order to help us to drop acid, we need to follow sort of a paleo lifestyle, right? Because if we, you know, things were fine uh, during evolution when we weren't subject to ad-lib food, you know, uh, everywhere, you know, easily available, uh, highly concentrated sources of carbohydrates and fructose, uh, that uh, that would do the trick. Now, when you look, when you think of uh, Stone Age man, you know, uh, we think of the Flintstones and we think of, uh, you know, the, the Brontosaurus uh, burger, you know, fl- uh, put a bar- uh, Brontosaurus steak on the Barbie, uh, that thing. Uh, it wasn't as if uh, uh, our paleo ancestors were eschewing meat. They weren't avoiding it. 
Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I think if people are going to think that the paleo uh, lifestyle is good for them, and it and it is, uh, you got to be all in. You can't pick and choose. In other words, our Paleolithic hunter gatherer ancestors hunted and gathered, meaning that they didn't always have food. There was times there were times when they didn't eat. What does that mean for us today? We should incorporate fasting if we're trying to emulate. Uh, the lifestyle of our hunter-gatherer ancestors. They were active, they all, you know, doing things throughout the day, not sitting uh, in front of the computer, doing uh, very little. So they went to sleep when the sun went down and would awaken when the light began, triggered their physiology, inhibited melatonin production, uh, and we don't do that anymore. We're inhibiting me- melatonin even at night with blue light. So if you're going to be uh, thinking that the paleo approach is – good and i think it is but you have you can't pick and choose you have to be all in it's not that eating the bronto burger day in and day out is going to necessarily be good for health by and large our hunter gatherer forebears and similar cultures that are living today eat a lot of plant and specifically a lot of plant fiber and nurture their gut bacteria that is another area where we have to be very cognizant and be all in. You and I have talked about this before, that fundamental importance of gut bacteria. And guess what? There are strong issues related to uric acid, what we're talking about today, as it relates to the gut. We know that higher levels of uric acid are associated with a dramatic increase in the permeability or leakiness of the gut, therefore increasing inflammation, which may have been protective for our ancestors. Uh, Uric acid favors the production of pro-inflammatory bacterial strains. And we know uh, that studies have shown that doing what's called a fecal microbial transplant, taking fecal material out of a healthy person and putting it into the colon of a gout patient, has been associated with a dramatic reduction in gout attacks. So uh, this goes both ways. The point is that this uric acid, again, is is far more relevant than you and I learned about in medical school. You know, we probably had the one-hour lecture. Yeah. Here's how it's made. Yeah. Here's how allopurinol works. Mm-hmm. If a person has a high uric acid, give them the allopurinol. Yeah. Keep your fingers crossed they don't have a, a downside, and you've done your job. Next patient. Yeah. Well, uh, it's become uh, you know far more obvious what uric acid is doing. But the good news is this becomes a cr- an incredible new addition to our toolbox. Getting uric acid under control helps us gain control over the metabolic mayhem that is incredibly pervasive in our world today. What about uh, people who are pursuing a ketogenic diet? It's very popular these days, and you know they're stocking up on uh, animal protein. Uh, they're uh, virtually eliminating carbohydrates, which I think is something near and dear to you. Uh, do you think a ketogenic diet uh, that's high in animal protein has the potential for exacerbating gout? Are there certain precautions? Well, well beyond gout. Uh, so ketogenic diet does inf- is, in fact, associated with elevation of uric acid. Well before you even produce gout, mm-hmm. it becomes an issue as we're talking about. So, uh, you know, I think that it's very important people to realize that if they're cycling in and out of ketosis, that transiently their uric acid may be slightly elevated during uh, the time they're in ketosis. But then ultimately they've helped their metabolism such that when they're cycling out of ketosis, the uric acid may actually improve. We see the same thing with fasting, which is uh, yet another way of achieving uh, ketogenic state but mm-hmm. but let's just be clear that you don't need to eat any animal protein 
if you want to be on a, uh, into ketosis. You don't need to do that. There's a wonderful book by Will Cole called, called Ketotarian. I actually spoke with him yesterday where he described being fully vegetarian and able to get into ketosis simply by reducing the refined carbohydrates, adding in more, in his case, vegetable types of fats like olive oil, nuts and seeds, etc. And you can get into ketosis uh, in that way. The main issue that I see with people pursuing the animal-based ketogenic diet is in their uh, enthusiasm to get rid of carbohydrate, they eliminate plant-based yep. carbohydrate like fiber. Bad, bad idea. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I'm all in favor. And, and believe me, uh, I, I think there, if a person desires to eat meat, do it with uh, within reason. Six to eight ounces, I think, is plenty in a day. Some meats, like organ meats, you mentioned earlier, liver and uh, um, kidney, uh, shellfish, uh, scallops, etc., can be higher in the purines that can then be metabolized into uh, uric acid. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, for the third time, I, I need to mention that it's the fact that more than 70% of the foods at the grocery store have added sweetener, and by and large, these are fructose or derivatives therefrom that have crept its way into our diets and explains why our uric acid levels are so high now in comparison to where they were even 100 years ago. What are some of the, the dietary and, and, uh, and supplement hacks, you know, specific foods that you mentioned in the book? Uh, I, I noticed that you talk about tart cherries. Tart cherry juice uh, is often suggested for uh, recovery from uh, exertion by athletes uh, and for uh, joint pain and soreness. Uh, and it also has the property of uh, relieving gout. So that is helpful for lowering uric acid? That's right. So it's not just gout and gout flare-ups that have been studied with interventional trials, primarily for, for whatever reason on women. Uh, and primarily on overweight women, but in uh, in addition to lowered risk of a gout flare-up, the uric acid level falls quite significantly uh, in comparison to those not receiving uh, the tart cherry, either the tart cherries or more commonly in the research, tart cherry extract. So mm -hmm. uh, that turns out to be very, very rich in bioflavonoids, hence the uh, appeal for people who are aggressive with respect to exercise because you're targeting a specific pathway. Aside from the uric acid issue, you're targeting uh, something called AMPK. And I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit yeah. hole, but the point is this is a signaling pathway that's telling your body basically the hunting is good. Mm -hmm. Therefore, don't store fat, don't make fat, don't turn on uh, glucose production because the hunting is good. That's why we want to keep our AMPK lit up. Right. There is another pathway called AMPD, AMPDMNase. And when that is stimulated, like if you're getting, if you're a bear getting ready to hibernate, that is stimulated to make us make fat, store fat, mm -hmm. increase the production of glucose. It's the get ready for winter, get ready for hibernation pathway. So in a very real way, we have two choices, either AMPK keeping us lean and mean, or AMP deaminase, which makes us fat, raises our blood pressure, increases glucose production, and guess what? Uric acid turns off AMPK and lights up AMP deaminase. So if that's not throwing a monkey wrench into all of your efforts to maintain a healthy body, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vitamin C plays a role here too because uh, when we're talking about the most common type of kidney stones – 
uh, these are calcium oxalate stones. The concern is too much vitamin C might cause them. But when you have uric acid stones, you're encouraged to increase your intake of vitamin C. So it apparently has a uric acid lowering effect. That's right. And that works in the kidney to uh, enhance uric acid excretion. So now we have unpacked two uh, in, interventions whereby we can help lower uric, actually three. One, we increase the excretion. Uh, two, we decrease the actual production by mm-hmm. targeting that xanthine oxidase mm-hmm. enzyme using uh, quercetin or uh, luteolin. Uh, and of course, three, we don't, we can reduce the inputs. We can reduce what's making uh, the uric acid, which is the fructose, the um, um, purines, and of course, alcohol. But Unfortunately, there's one other thing we should talk about, and that is you can totally be, be fructose-free and yet have higher levels of fructose in your body. How might that be? Well, there is a pathway in your body called the polyol pathway hmm. that converts your, your blood sugar into fructose, and that pathway is activated if your body thinks it needs to make fat. For example, if you're dehydrated. That pathway is activated to help your body make fat because you'll recall earlier our camel crossing the desert uses fat as do we to to make what interesting to make metabolic water right Mm -hmm. that's why but before the hummingbird makes this epic thousand mile flight uh, it's 40% of its body weight is fat believe Hmm. it or not and and what if you want a hummingbird to visit you in your backyard what do you put out. Sugar water. Yeah. So they're converting, they're triggering this mechanism, they're making fat when they consume fructose, and then they have a resource, yes, for calories, but also uh, for water. Now, the body, specifically the kidneys, uh, sense dehydration by monitoring our our sodium level, our salt level. When sodium goes up, it means we're dehydrated. So raising the sodium level in the blood tells the body, hey, we need a source of water. Let's activate the production of fructose from glucose and turn on fat production because we can make sure, make water from fat. So that's what happens when we're dehydrated. But guess what? When we eat, when we park ourselves watching the playoffs and eat that bag of pretzels with hmm. a lot of salt, the same thing happens. Sodium goes up. Body thinks it's dehydrated. It starts making fructose, turning on mm. the production of uric acid. For years, we've noted that people with higher salt consumption are much more likely to become obese, far more likely to get diabetes, and we've known certainly hypertension. Wow. Uh, but we never understood why. what's the mechanism, what's underlying this connection. Now we get it. It's really quite simple. It's called the polyol pathway. That's we stimulate that. With, yeah. It is. It's, uh, you know, one study I, I reviewed, uh, actually this morning. I found it on my desktop. I didn't, I didn't name it. I didn't know. So I opened it not knowing what it was. Showed that when diabetics with a lot of glucose floating around, when you measure their fructose level, uh, it's one thing. Uh, when you put them in the hospital and cut their carbs and sugars dramatically, you measure their fructose level, it goes down dramatically. So why does that happen? It happens because you're turning off mm-hmm. the production of yeah. fructose, which is driven. It's not about the by oral the consumption of the fructose. Because, not at all. Yeah, right? Not at all. Because you're cutting out the you know the stimulus to make fructose, which is mm-hmm. a high blood sugar, mm-hmm. and pushes that reaction right along. Law of mass action. So when it comes to alcohol, there's sort of a hierarchy of uh, you know the good, the bad, and the not so bad. Uh, 
so beer is is not good. What about red wine? Red wine classically associated with uh, as a gout trigger, probably not so good. Or where is it on the spectrum of actually alcohol? a uh, what the. The, the very large studies looking at tens of thousands of people using what's called food frequency questionnaires and then looking at lab studies has revealed is that wine in particular uh, is about neutral with respect mm. to men. And, and we're talking maybe two glasses a day, especially red wine. But in women, wine uh, consumption is actually associated with a slight reduction oh. of uric acid. Oh. Now, again, red wine, skins, uh, uh, bioflavonoids, you can understand the connection. Uh, as it relates to hard liquor, definitely associated with an increased risk of gout and certainly a higher uric acid level. But again, the, the big issue is beer. Uh, you're getting it on two counts. You're getting the alcohol and you're getting the purines telling your body make fat. So there's your mechanism to understand where the beer belly is coming from. So you mentioned a way of uh, testing uric acid at home. You know, some of our intelligent medicine aficionados are uh, anxiously scribbling down uh, a lead. Do, what What's the name of the device and how do you obtain it? And So it there are uh, there are many. I'm holding mine in my hand right now and my last level is 4.7 uh, milligrams per deciliter. Uh, I use a device called a U-Assure. U-A-S-U-R-E. And uh, they're they have you were sure I don't know their website, but they're on Amazon as well. So that's the device that I, I find really uh, simple. It's really it's just like we used to do our finger sticks for uh, blood. You know, there's a, um, a tab that goes into a slot. You put a drop of yep. blood on it. Bingo, your uric acid level comes proof. up. So yep. uh, I I struggle with it at first. I didn't put the <laughs> blood on the right part. So what does that say about me? No, uh, I, I have a little bit anyhow, of uh, device really phobia these days because uh, you know a yeah. lot of different things. Yeah. But, no, uh, I I, uh, I do find uh, I wear a, a continuous glucose monitor, sure. and that doesn't require a finger stick. So that's that that is almost idiot proof. So there you go. But I would encourage people to to think about at the very least, uh, you can determine your uric acid level by making a phone call to your doctor's office because most likely people have. You know, it's part of the the typical twenty yep. element uh, panel, panel that you get every year. Yeah, it's part of the panel, along with liver functions, kidney functions, you name it. Uric acid has always been checked, but, of course, in the context of gout. But if you phone the doctor's office, they may tell you, oh, the doctor looked at it and you're you're normal. Right. Well, that's not what you want to know. I want to know the number. What is that number? And then I'll take it from there. Thank you very much. Uh, because we don't want, again, to be in the normal range as it relates to gout. We know that 5.5 and lower is what we're looking for for optimal range as it relates to well beyond gout, as it relates to blood pressure, weight gain, uh, insulin sensitivity, and, of course, diabetes, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, all of these things that are related to increased uric acid. Okay. And where does coffee uh, come into the equation? You're going to be ha- – I think you're going to be happy. Yep. Coffee is associated with a lowering of the uric acid. Yippee. Mm-hmm. Does it have to be caffeinated? Can it be decaf? Is it no, polyphenols uh, in the coffee that are beneficial? It's or the, the polyphenols. It, you, oh, if you have a, an issue with caffeine, whether it's tachycardia or hypertension, you can have decaf and still get the benefits as it relates to uh, controlling your uric acid. The, the big surprise for people is that uh, fruit juice is, uh, is really a killer yeah. uh, as it relates to uric acid. People think, oh, uh, what, what's, what could be wrong with a 
you know, 16 ounce glass of apple juice or orange juice. My gosh, it's natural. Nothing natural about it. It could be organic, uh, harvested by elves who are meditating, <laughs> but it's not natural. Our ancestors wouldn't stumble exactly. upon, you know, uh, cartons of whatever yeah, orange juice. They didn't have <laughs> That's right. But the truth is that uh, eating fruit in uh, a reasonable amount is actually associated with uh, reduction in uric acid despite the small amount of fructose that it contains because that fructose is packaged mm -hmm. with fiber, with vitamin C, and with the bioflavonoids that we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. and, now, uh, it doesn't mean you can go overboard. You know, right. an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Five apples a day, the doctor you will pay. <laughs> and with the ex in terms of fruit juice, with the exception, I, I believe of uh, uh, tart cherry juice, uh, unsweetened concentrate, which I I guzzle. I don't t I, you know take it straight. I use a, the concentrate, the five x concentrate uh, in a bottle. Oh, you and, are the man. <laughs> yeah, I'm the aficionado, and I add it. You know, I I make sort of a spritzer out of that. You know, with carbonated water and a little bit of that, and because uh, it's too. I mean, it's syrupy. Literally, it's like it's like right. grenadine, and it's it's a it's a syrup like thing. But that in in relatively small amounts is actually beneficial. What about luteolin? That's an interesting uh, nutrient. I believe that's high in celery, parsley, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Uh, in onions um, and cabbage, uh, luteolin uh, is real effective, uh, even more uh, effective in inhibiting that xanthine oxidase uh, enzyme than, than quercetin. In fact, luteolin can go head-to-head -head just about with the drug, with allopurinol. So, well, my gosh, why wouldn't you at it's least available as a start supplement, there. of course, now too, right? Yeah, you can go to the health food store. I'm certain buy it online. Mm -hmm. And it, the dosage is 100, 100 milligrams a day. Great. All right. Well, you know, chock full of information. Of course, the book has, you know, much more detail. And, and as usual, uh, you know, when you tackle a subject, David, you just do a masterful job of doing a deep dive. You know, who'd have thought that uric acid uh, could be so fascinating? And it really appears to be, you know, it's like, just sort of an add-on on a you know a multiple uh, uh, chemistry test you know with twenty different parameters and you kind of go ah you're a gas okay well I don't have a gout fine well there's more to it than that as you'll discover if you get the book drop acid and uh, David give us a, a heads up on where people can listen to your podcast because you do some great interviews as well uh, that's on my website, which is drperlmutter.com, drperlmutter.com. I do have a YouTube channel, which is The Empowering Neurologist. Uh, the book is uh, Drop Acid, and oddly enough, the uh, URL is dropacidbook.com. Uh, but I would say that, um, you know, it, it is, uh, again, it's not your grandfather's uric acid anymore. And, mm -hmm. I, and I would say, if you really want to learn about something, you ask me, you know, you, you're mentioning about going into the deep dive. If you really want to learn about something, uh, you read a book about it. But if you want to master something, then you write a book about it. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, then you're reading everything that's out there. And this story from a historical perspective with respect to our primate ancestors or paleolithic ancestors, the newer science, the interventional studies, the uh, retrospective studies has been incredibly enlightening. And at the end of the day, at the end of the podcast you, with you and me together, I think the message is this is a new level of empowerment to regain metabolic health. And, you know, as we mentioned at the, at the top of our time together, these are the biggest issues that are uh, threatening our lives today, not a virus of any sort. The number one cause of death on our planet, the chronic degenerative conditions, Alzheimer's, coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, certain forms of cancer are direct downstream issues 
from our metabolic missteps. And now we have a new tool uh, in the toolbox that can help us with that. Well, that's really awesome. Uh, the book, Drop Acid, uh, you can uh, pre-order it. Uh, it's out in February uh, if uh, it isn't already out by the time you listen to this podcast. And also, uh, you've got an upcoming PBS special, right? When will that air? That also is in February, but the end of the month and into uh, early March 2022. Okay, so get... Uh, Catch Dr. Perlmutter on PBS. Uh, he's well worth listening to. He's a great communicator. And uh, congratulations. Uh, yet another uh, uh, best-selling book on the way. Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. It's really a pleasure. Thank you, Ron. It's, it's sure great to talk to you. I hope we get to see each other soon. That's for sure. Indeed. Thank you. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news, and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com.